Hello, catfish people. Welcome to the Dieter Melhorn Fishing Podcast. Well, hello, folks, and welcome to the Dieter Melhorn Fishing Podcast. I hope you guys are enjoying the show. This will be episode number seven. Uh, off to a uh, blazing start here. I'm trying to do them once a week. Right now, I was going to do them on Friday, but I think I'm going to do them on Thursday. I think that's going to be the uh, new release time. I did it last week. I know sometimes going into the weekend, people can get busy, forget about it, or they may want to listen to it over the weekend. So that's kind of the plan right now is to stick with the uh, Thursday time frame for release. Right now, I'm only going to do one a week. I've still got my fishing channel, uh, Dieter Melhorn Fishing on YouTube. And uh, that keeps me pretty busy. Uh, I'm trying to really ramp up that game. So uh, between putting out at least two videos a week on there, uh, taking the time to do this, get it edited, uh, and load it back up, my plate's kind of full, to be perfectly honest. And uh, I don't want to rob quality from one or the other uh, to add more volume to it just yet. So maybe one day. If this ever becomes a more uh, closer to full-time uh, job, which it's not yet, nowhere near it, uh, maybe so. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens uh, down the road. Uh, if some sponsor opportunities are in place to where that can happen, we may try doing it. But, uh, yeah, for now, it's, uh, it's a fun deal, and it's about uh, fishing. Different stuff in the fishing community, different stuff in the fishing world. As many of y'all know, I do fish for catfish a lot. So a lot of it is oriented around that, but uh, there's also some other topics that uh, we kind of get into. And for anybody that's into fishing, uh, you're probably going to find some of this stuff interesting and appealing. And uh, if nothing else, something good to listen to while you're driving down the road to work or uh, on a flight somewhere. Today's topic is going to be something that if you're from the catfish world or you're from the carp fishing world, uh, you'll be somewhat familiar with, and that is pay lakes. Uh, I'm going to try to explain to you what pay lakes are. If you have no clue what they are, don't worry. I'm going to explain that in great detail. And also go into some of the pros and the cons um, about pay lakes, what they mean, what they represent, and uh, their impact on our fisheries. Uh, it's a very, uh, I guess the best way to describe it is um, polarizing, sensitive uh, topic. There's uh, usually, this, this is about like Democrat and Republican. It's one side or the other. Um, but I, I guess in all fairness, it's kind of like politics too. There is some middle ground and some uh, understanding. So um, I feel that during this podcast, I don't know, this is probably going to take 35, 40 minutes to cover uh, I should be able to piss off both sides uh, very thoroughly uh, with some of my confusing answers but and my confusing takes on this whole topic. But I just ask this. Listen to all of what i got to say on this. Uh, there's, um, It'll be interesting, to say the least. And we'll go over some things and just kind of bring people up to speed on what they are and what's going on with them. Uh, first, let me just explain to you, if you are not familiar with the term or you've heard it and are not sure exactly what it is, a pay lake is a private lake. Um, they're, as far as I know, pretty much scattered all over the country, uh, especially in the Midwest to Southeast. They're usually small in size, uh, anywhere from uh, a couple of acres to many acres. Uh, 
their, um, like I said, their own private property. And what happens is you pay to fish them. Uh, generally speaking, there's uh, no fish in these lakes, uh, naturally, because they're pretty much, most of them are uh, either put onto a creek, uh, dammed up a creek, and the creek's flooded, or uh, it's just a low place. People dig out places, build these lakes, fill them with water from a spring, from a well, however it's done, uh, and they charge people to come fish there. Uh, some of the lakes are better than others. I've seen some that have water flowing through them, a dam, a nice little spillway, fresh water. You know, it's almost like a live well on a boat. You got fresh water coming in, bad water going out, and it has its own little ecosystem going. On the total opposite end, I have seen some uh, locally that were basically dug out with a, uh, a track hoe. Uh, they dug a deep hole. They're maybe a little over an acre in size, and they flooded them with either a, or filled them with either a uh, well, well water or pipes and water in from a creek or a river or something adjacent. So <clears throat> they're on both ends of the spectrum. Now, the difference in how these things are put together, how they're constructed, and how they're maintained is in my opinion, very important because uh, if any of you have a bait tank that you keep at home for fish or if you have a pond around your house, um, you'll know that some do better than others and a lot of that has to do with the oxygenation of the water. Uh, if there's fresh water coming into a pond, into a lake, uh, whether it be from a well, a spring, or whatever, uh, generally speaking, the water quality is going to be better. Uh, waste and nutrients are getting flushed out of the system or some type of biological process is allowed to take place there to where you get your own little ecosystem going. Like in any lake or reservoir or river, there is a finite amount of fish that you can put into a given body of water. You, can just, you can't just stack them up in there one on top of another uh, there is a carrying capacity. Any of you guys that deer hunt have probably heard that term. Uh, that carrying capacity is what the land or what the water can sustain. And uh, you know, it's 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 kind of the well, it's kind of the same in our human world. There's only so much that a certain area can sustain on its own without help from somewhere else. So, my point being there is is that. Some of these places are maintained well, some of them are not. And it all comes back to the fish uh, and how well the fish survive in it. Now, let's go back to the type of lakes and the way they work. You get one of these lakes, you got them in your area, they charge you to come fish there. Uh, some places, uh, and I'm going to kind of be broad reaching here because there's a lot of different levels to what pay lakes do. One of the deals with pay lakes is they charge you to come fish you can keep the fish that you catch and you can take them home with you uh, a lot of these places uh, are catfish lakes and they are stocked with catfish that they buy from fish farms they're usually small in size usually bullheads or channel catfish and uh, you pay so much to fish and you take what you catch some of them uh, may charge you about a pound to take fish uh, 
you know, they all kind of vary in what the what the game is. But bottom line is, you pay to go fish there. The another type, uh, we have a lot of these in my area where I'm at in the Carolinas near Charlotte, and that is carp lakes, uh, as we call them, uh, where they have carp, buffalo, different types of these sucker fish that are in these lakes, and they have tournaments to fish for them. You come in, pay an entry fee. Uh, they go through a process of drawing spots where you get the fish on the lake. And then they have a series of tournaments that go on that evening. And that varies the way that whole deal works. Uh, but the bottom line is you pay money to compete in these tournaments. It's a very uh, borderline world of legal gambling versus untaxed income versus the bottom line is it's amazing the IRS hasn't tapped into it yet. Uh, but that's a whole nother world. That's a whole nother world. And then you've got your pay to fish, take fish. You got your carp type lakes where you pay to fish, uh, fishing tournaments, gamble, whatever you want to call it. And there's a world of, now there's a world of trout lakes too, and that's a whole nother one. Uh, a lot of these we have up toward the uh, North Carolina mountains. I'm sure they're up and down uh, the Appalachian mountain chain. And these are trout lakes, and they have trout in them. These are farm-raised trout. Uh, most of these you pay per pound uh, for the fish that you catch. You go out there, the fish are pretty stupid. You pitch some corn out under a bobber, they eat it, and you catch some, and, you know, Life's great, and you got you some trout. Uh, it's pretty easy. They're dumb fish. They're hungry, and uh, they charge you per pound. That's another type of pay lake. Uh, another one is a they have catfish lakes that are tournament lakes. This is very similar uh, system to the uh, carp lakes, and some of them are catch and keep. Some of them are pay to enter a tournament, and uh, you're able to go there and fish and compete and fish a catfish tournament similar deal they do hourlies they do nightlies they do biggest fish they got a whole big combination of stuff that they do and uh, most of these places uh you know they have a, a a clubhouse a fish house whatever you want to call it where you bring your fish back to and they're weighed and they're you know the release ones released back into the lake uh they've got food drinks beer all kinds of stuff going on there and it's a big kind of social event in a lot of these places, uh, especially, you know, Friday, Saturday night. Uh, they're usually pretty crowded, pretty packed from pretty much spring all the way through fall. And that's kind of the way these lakes work. Uh, they're very accessible for the most part. Uh, it's very easy to get around them. Uh, they're very, most of them are lit up, uh, relatively safe. Uh, and, uh, you know, pretty well organized on what they got going on. These are business, these are enterprises. These are businesses that are there and exist to make money, plain and simple. So they really don't want any fighting. They don't want a bunch of drunks. Uh, they want to keep everything organized. They want to keep their customers happy, and they want to keep them coming back because the way you, they make money is they fill the sides of that lake with fishermen. That is how they make money. It's a, it's a very simple operation. Um, so you're asking yourself, well, what's wrong with that? You got guys that are running legitimate businesses, perfectly legal, uh, 
maybe a little bit of shadiness with the gambling and the payouts of the money, but, you know, we won't get into that. Uh, you know, what's wrong with an operation like this? Um, the argument from the other side, uh, the people who are opposed to this, uh, is where they get their fish from. That's is what it all comes back to. Uh, where do the fish come from? Uh, some of the lakes, like I said, get their fish from farms, fish farms. There are fish farms around the country that raise catfish. Most of these catfish uh, are sold to uh, processing places that sell them that you would buy in a store, you would eat in a restaurant. Uh, that's where most of these farm-raised fish goes, but they'll also sell them to um, uh, these pay lakes, and these are, you know, fish for people to catch and keep. Now, the problem with those fish, if you want a pay lake, is that, as some of you may or may not know, catfish do not grow quickly. Uh, while you can grow a catfish to eater size in 12 to 18 months, depending on what you're doing with your program, uh, getting trophy fish takes years. And growing trophy fish takes years. Uh, my you know, feeling is it can probably be done quicker in the right scientifically controlled environment. I think we could grow trophy fish much quicker. But right now that's not being done because there's not a demand there and there's a much easier way and cheaper way to get them. Um, which brings me to where the trophy fish come from. When you see these pay lakes, uh, and I'll put you some links down below here, and we'll talk about a place in a minute that can show you kind of what these places look like so you can get an idea. Um, these trophy fish come from public waters. They are either caught on rod and reel. They are caught in baskets. They're caught in traps. They're caught on trot lines. And they are sold to the private lakes. Um, I've personally been approached by several of them. They know I fish, obviously. And uh, they offer anywhere from 2 to $4 a pound, depending on the fish, uh, to get these fish for their private lakes. So that's kind of where the rub comes in with the catch and release anglers and the, as I will call it, free range anglers who are fishing public water. Um, the problem comes when these fish are caught in public waters and then sold to these private lakes for profit. Uh, that's, that's where everybody's beef comes in. And part of the problem is, you know, you, you might think to yourself, well, all right, so they catch some fish, they put them in a lake, and then, you know, you put that 50-pounder in there, and he swims around for the next 10 or 15, 20 years. Well, if that was the case, and that happened, I don't think we'd have a problem. I don't think we would have an issue with a few fish being caught, relocated, put in there. But what happens is, and this goes back to the beginning when I started this, the quality of the water and the quality of the lakes. Uh, a lot of these fish die. Almost all of them will lose weight. And... Uh, you know, they just can't handle, you can only put so many fish that size into a small impoundment and expect them to live, prosper, gain weight, maintain body weight because the food source is not there. 
And this is generally speaking. Sure, there are probably some places out there that do a fine job and they feed their fish wonderfully and they feed them protein pellets and they maintain their weight and they live a long, prosperous life. But if you have any inside information and know anything about a lot of these lakes, they scoop out dead fish and throw a lot of them away. Some of them live, some of them make it. There's also a lot of dead ones in there. Uh, and are they end up dying. And the other thing is they lose weight. So there's an argument there that these fish get wasted. And on the other side, if you're on the pay lake side, there is this argument. Um, what they're doing it's perfectly legal. They are breaking no laws in most places. Just generally speaking here, they're breaking no laws by catching a fish legally that they're allowed to keep legally, taking it to their private lake and putting it in that lake. In most places, that is absolutely perfectly legal and within the law. Now, some states have, because of pressure uh, and the desire to pursue trophy fish and the money that it brings into the state and revenue into cities and that type of thing, they've enacted some laws that have put limits on trophy catfish, mainly blue catfish. And some places have limited how many of these fish you can possess. Now, a lot of times that's one fish over 36 inches. Uh, However, in some places, the commercial fishermen, which is what the people are that are selling these fish to pay lakes, have permits to have more than those, whatever the individual sports angler limit is. Now, recently, we've had some progress with some states limiting the interstate transportation of trophy fish. So basically, if you catch one, and I'm just going to throw some states out there, you catch one in Tennessee, you cannot transport it out of the state of Tennessee to another state. Um, a lot of these lakes and these areas, uh, let's say it's somewhere in Ohio as a pay lake. Obviously, they're going to try to catch fish closer to them to stock their lake with. It's cheaper, less transportation, less mortality, and keeping the fish housed in a truck to transport it. So they're going to catch all of the, as many fish as they can near their lake to begin with. What this, hap what, this, what this leads to is basically raping an area of trophy fish. Uh, it doesn't happen overnight. It happens over a period of time. But when you've got people who are getting paid 2 3 $4 a pound uh, for these trophy fish, they're going to go out and catch them, and they're going to, you know, they're going to try to make as much money as they can. Um, their attitude is, uh, like a lot of fishermen and sportsmen on a lot of fronts, whether it be fishing or hunting, if the state says it's legal, then I'm going to do it. I will stop doing it when they tell me I can't do it anymore. And in a lot of ways, you can't argue with them. What they're doing is legal. Uh, there's nothing, they're breaking no laws in doing it. And that's what, you know, their take is, their, their stance is, that's what we have the wildlife people for to keep all these checks and balances in place. The truth is, is that I believe that a lot of these people, including the people that fish these pay lakes, and including a lot of the people probably listening to this podcast who are not familiar with these 
type establish, establishments, these, these lakes, probably don't know where the fish come from. The guys who catch them probably don't know the impact that they have on the fisheries. And there's probably a lot of apathy to them that they really don't care uh, as long as they're making money doing it. So I guess my point is here, there's a lot of ignorance on this topic. And I, I'm not throwing the word ignorance out there as, as an insult. I'm throwing that out there as just not knowing. Listen, and I'm going to say this too. I was very ignorant about pay lakes growing up. I'm surrounded by them. I fished with, you know, friends, dads, and stuff in these lakes. They would go there and carp fish. I've been to hundreds of, you know, these carp tournaments fishing for carp in these lakes. I had no idea where the fish came from. I just knew, well, there's a bunch of fish in here. I guess they just grow fish in here that big. Listen, people, myself included, are ignorant for the most part about this topic and where these fish come from. Uh, it's, it's not a slam on them. It's nothing against them. It's just just the way it is. And, um, you know, that's kind of the bad thing. It takes somebody who is knowing, understands it, and has a bigger grasp on the whole big picture to come in and go, hey, we have a problem here. And that's what is starting to happen in a lot of places. Um, here in the Carolinas, uh, fish are taken from our lakes, Antique Cooper, Watery, Wiley, Norman. They're sold to pay lakes. It happens. But I don't think it has had the impact yet like it has had in places uh, on the Ohio River. The Ohio River, certain pieces of it, is where I've heard the damage has really really been done and let me bring you up to date here folks if you're new to the whole catfish world and and these fish these are the the issue is these are slow growing fish uh to get to let's say you know to get to 40 pounds uh there have been some fish that have been uh had the uh ear bone measured in them that have made it to 40 pounds in 10 years okay you go wow that's not too bad that's like 4% of the population. Most of them are taking 12, 14, 15 years to get to that, that size. Uh, the ones that you see in the record books, the pictures, the state records, those fish are, you know, 18, 20, 25 years old when you start getting in this 80, 90, uh, 100 plus pound range. So that's the deal. They're long-lived fish. This isn't like a deer population. Uh, I know a lot of guys out there are deer hunters and they kind of get the way it works with trophy deer and you know, you can get a wall hanger in four and a half years, five and a half. You've got, you know, that's when it's at its peak and then it starts to go downhill after that. Listen, if that was the catfish world, we wouldn't be having this discussion. There wouldn't be an issue. Uh, it, it would be a different, a whole different dynamic. But because these fish are long-lived fish and just generally speaking, it takes them a long time to get to these trophy sizes. Uh, one, it makes the commercialization, the commercial growth and sell of them very difficult and very expensive. And it has an impact on the fisheries is that they don't replenish themselves quickly. And that's the thing that we see in places like on some of these pools on the Ohio River. Once the fish are gone, it's going to be 10, uh, 12, 14 years before you start seeing these fish come back 
that's if you left everything alone and just let them, you know, live their natural way. So that is part of the rub with the commercial sale of these fish to private lakes. Now, part of this, we have no one to blame but ourselves. Plain and simple. Uh, we can whine, we can complain, and we can sit here all day long and go, well, somebody needs to do something. Well, guess who somebody is? That's you, that's your neighbor, that's me. Uh, we're the ones that have the power to do something. When you try to do something and nothing gets done, you can blame the Wildlife Commission, the DNR, whoever you want to blame because it's just in it for the money. That is a cop-out argument, and I'm going to tell you why. There is way more money in recreational catfish angling, tournaments, that whole world, than there is in pay lakes. It's a cop-out, lazy argument to say that they have more money and more power than the sportsmen, cat, fishermen out there. There is way more money in that world, way more money tied to that industry than there is to the pay lake industry. So we have nobody to blame but ourselves. Our biggest issue that keeps us from getting anything done is lack of organization. That's a whole nother topic, and that's going to be another podcast that I'm planning on doing. But there is very little organization, very few groups, cohesive groups that come together and are able to lobby and interact with the DNR, Wildlife Commission, whatever it's called in your state, to get changes in place uh, to stop some of this. Now, one organization, I'm going to put a link down uh, in the description of this podcast that you can go look at. Uh, this is one that uh, has a website, a Facebook page. And uh, it has some good information on the, this is pretty much, uh, I will say this, this is total opposition to uh, pay lakes. This is not a group that is unbiased. I'll be perfectly honest about it. Uh, it it's, it's, they're, they're against pay lakes. The website is called Exposing Pay Lakes. And there is a lot of information in here that is pretty much factual, pretty much on the money. Uh, I've looked through some of it. Um, they've got a link to some YouTube videos and uh, they have a uh, Facebook uh, page that you can check out. And I've uh, got some good information in here. Uh, there's a lot of pictures of pay lakes on expose, exposingpaylakes.com. Uh, you can see what these lakes look like. Uh, you can see some of the pictures of the fish that are brought in. There's pictures here that I'm looking at now of massive flathead trophy catfish that anybody who would fish for catfish would want to catch these fish that are out here on the tarp that have been brought in from a commercial fisherman that will um, you know, be dumped into this lake to people to pay to fish for. Some good information. You can check that out. Again, I'll put the link down below, but it's exposingpaylakes.com. Um, there are also some people on the other side of the fence uh, that you know are Pay Lake supporters, uh, Pay Lake owners, uh, that you can find on Facebook and online that have you know legitimate arguments. And those arguments are what they're doing is perfectly legal, uh, which it is. You can't argue with that. Uh, the thing that I don't know that they have, you know, the the thing is that there's plenty of fish out there that can be argued. Uh, and that's something that, you know, we, we're going to have to address. I'm going to have a guest on here down the road that is a biologist. 
uh, pretty much is in the middle ground of just where all this stuff stands as far as the biological aspect of the fish, how big they should be, how many big fish there should be. Listen, we all want trophy fish. We all want to go out and catch 30, 40, 50 pounders every time we go out, and we want to have an abundance of them. But quite honestly, and in all fairness, and you know, there's a balance. And where that balance is, I don't really know. Uh, and I mention all this because uh, in some places, it may be hard to get legislation in place to stop uh, the removal of certain species of fish just because you'll never get Wildlife Commission or DNR to support it. Here in North Carolina where I live, and I've told guys this and when I was president of the Carolinas Catfish Club, we got some legislation in place to protect the blue catfish. Some guys wanted legislation to protect the flatheads, and I told them it'll never happen in North Carolina. Uh, I doubt it'll happen in South Carolina. Uh, there's a lot of places in the southeast where you'll never get protection of those species of fish, the flathead, and that's because they're considered an invasive, non-indigenous, whatever you want to call them, species. In other words, they ain't from here, and uh, they have a or it's believed they have a significant impact on other species of fish that are in the waters that they move into. And you're never going to get the wildlife guys and DNR to protect these fish, plain and simple. Blue catfish, a little different. You can get, We've got protection put in place for them. Uh, but my whole point in all this is that the, the, the biologists have to pair uh, what we want as stakeholders in a particular fishery against what other stakeholders want. Uh, we may want trophy catfish and big ones and flatheads underneath every rock. Meanwhile, you've got crappy fishermen over here that are complaining that the flatheads are eating all the crappie in the lake and we ain't got the crappie we used to have, so we need to kill every one of them catfish. Same thing with the bass guy. So there's this, there's this, pulling and tugging on a rope among all these people. And that's what the biologists are stuck trying to balance. And I say all this because there are some places you'll never get protection or you'll be hard-pressed to get any protection because growing trophy fish isn't something that biologists are necessarily interested in. Uh, they're interested in a balanced fishery. And that's where we have to come in and kind of understand if we're going to work with these guys and get these guys on our side or we're going to get on their side and get, a, you know, we've got to kind of understand the bigger picture of the biology of a fishery and all the dynamics that go into, you know, making this, in most cases, man-made ecosystem work. Uh, you know, the rivers are a little bit different. You guys that fish the big rivers that are free-flowing, but for a lot of us, uh, that fish lakes, um, they're man-made. And it's, it's you took a perfectly free-flowing river, put a dam on it, changed the biology and the ecology. Well, you changed the ecology, everything about that 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 system forever. Uh, nothing works the way it did when it was a free-flowing river. So my point in all this is, uh, is really getting back to we as anglers, if we want something to change, have to figure out a way to make it happen and to partner with the biologists and the wildlife commissions 
in a way that is uh, a lot less confrontational than what I've seen in a lot of these places. A lot of this is finger pointing, uh, you're out to get us, you don't understand, all of that stuff versus a partnership. And that's what it's going to take to get some stuff in place to um, hopefully slow down what is happening with the uh, removal of these trophy fish into private lakes. Um, now, is there a place for pay lakes? Absolutely. Uh, do I believe in pay lakes? Uh, yes, I think there's a place for pay lakes. Uh, I think they serve a very important purpose, and um, I think it's good to have them. Uh, the, the, if you remember back to the beginning of this podcast, I said I would manage to piss people off on both sides, and this is where I'll do it probably. Uh, I think there's a place for pod, uh, for uh, pay lakes. I think there are people who, uh, especially if you're in my part of the country, uh, have no access or very limited access uh, to water to fish. Uh, I'm always impressed when I go out to the Tennessee River, uh, eastern Tennessee, with the amount of public access to water out there to fish. Uh, where I'm at, Catawba Chain of Lakes, very little access. Uh, very limited access. Very limited access for anyone who is in failing health, uh, possibly walker wheelchair bound, uh, elderly. Uh, it, it's tough. Uh, sure, around here you can find places you can park along the side of the road, climb down an embankment next to a bridge on a highway right away, and shimmy down some rocks and fish underneath the bridge. That's great. Uh, but if you're elderly, uh, perhaps a disabled veteran with no legs that's in a wheelchair, you need something with a little better access. Uh, there are a few public places um, on the lake that I fish. I can think of one that has that type of access, and uh, that's about it. So my point being is that a lot of these pay lakes serve a purpose. Uh, I can see a place. I can see an argument for those kind of people that enjoy going there to fish. Uh, a lot of these lakes, uh, the ones that the carp lakes I fished as a kid, had a road that went all the way around them. Uh, if you had somebody that was elderly, wheelchair-bound, walker, on oxygen, whatever, they could literally pull their car up, walk a few feet, and be able to fish, enjoy being in the outdoors, and that's a good thing. That's a positive. There's, uh, I, you know, I, I think they serve a very good purpose for that. Uh, you know, not all families, most people don't have boats. A lot of you guys, you know, I take for granted I've got a boat. A lot of you folks don't have that. You don't have that luxury, and you're looking, struggling, trying to find a place just to go fish. It may be just to take your kids out there and teach them how to fish. Uh, and that's where these places serve a purpose. Uh, you know, uh, the problem comes in how much... It, it, the problem comes with greed is what it comes down to. And that's pretty much plain and simple where the issue starts to happen is when they try to pull in more and more people. And hey, the sale is when you start looking at this stuff on exposingpaylakes.com, you'll see it starts to get greedy. More and more fish. We're bringing in 2,000 more pounds Friday and 1,000 pounds on Saturday. And it's salesmanship. It's, you know, it's they're competing against the other pay lakes that are in the area. And that's where the issues come in. So uh, while one part of me says, yep, I think pay lakes are good. I think we need them. There also has to be a balance. 
as far as what they are able to take from the public waters and put into a private establishment and then charge for it. As I've, uh, I equate it to me going to the National Park, going to the Smoky Mountains National Park, getting out my chainsaw, cutting down firewood in a national park, and then going and selling it to people. There's, 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 it's, it's basically the same. Of course, that would be illegal. So there, there's, there's where the argument comes in. But the bottom line is, we're taking stuff from public land, and then turning it into something that is a private enterprise. And you know, again, it's legal. But I think a lot of this is oversight, ignorance on the part of the state, ignorance on the part of some of the anglers, and uh, you know, that's that's what. I hope we can get some change uh, moving along with it's a, it. And let me just say, it's not a quick process, folks. It's a slow process. It's something that takes some time. And uh, it's going to be incremental steps that will lead to something bigger. And hopefully we can find a balance to where the people that have these pay lakes can still exist. Um, and, you know, they can provide a fishing opportunity for people who are not able to you know, access the public waters. And we can protect our trophy fish. That's really what this comes down to. I don't think people, uh, even the, 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 the people who are just very vocally opposed to pay lakes are really opposed to the lake, the pay lake itself, as much as the slaughter and greed and taking of the fish. I think that's, uh, it's kind of like with, you know, um, again, I'll piss some people off by saying this. It's kind of like with bow fishing, shooting fish, um, killing fish. Most people aren't opposed to the, you know, doing it because it's perfectly legal. They just don't like the indiscriminate slaughter of what's going on. Um, trot line, same way. Uh, you know, Trot line fishing, jug fishing, something old, 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 old's been done. It can be very fun. It's just people don't want people killing everything out there. So the only way to, to cater to all the stakeholders in all of this is to find some type of balance on what can be taken out. And that's going to take, that's what it's going to come down to. Uh, you know, is it one, one fish per person? Is it putting a permit on these trophy fish? I don't know. There's a lot of options out there. But to get to that point, we've got to interact. We've got to team up. We've got to partner with these biologists and find out what is reasonable, uh, what it's going to take, and, you know, where the balance is in all of this. So, uh, and I think that's going to take, organization and you've heard me say this before uh in in online and some different places it's going to take some type of organization petitions are great they make you feel good but they're useless you need some type of organization sometimes you need a talking head for that organization you need a focal point for that organization who these people can come to i see people as in the biologist state officials wildlife commissions, that kind of thing. And that person that can go, and I say person as in persons, it may be more than one person, that can deal with these people and find that common ground and uh, find out what works. And it has to be somebody that's open-minded 
and has an understanding and is willing to hear both sides. Those are the kind of people you need. You need an organization. Uh, if One thing we learned with the Carolinas Catfish Club when we got our laws in place was uh, when we went to these meetings, uh, you know, we would get people to, you know, to get up there and stand and talk about stuff. And you had people here and there that got up there and complained and moaned about whatever it was they were talking about, hunting, fishing, whatever. But I was always impressed when the folks from, I think it's Trout Unlimited showed up. These guys would get up there. Sure, they, they, they weren't in overalls and t-shirts. Uh, their hair was combed. Shirts were tucked in. Well-spoken. Articulated their point and spoke in a world and a terminology that the biologists, the commissioners, and all understood. They may not have agreed with them. Uh, they may have still been opposed to them, but they gave them what they needed, uh, and it was a powerful voice, and I think these people realized the power of that organization. We need something like that in the catfish world, uh, and, you know, we, we've... The saltwater, saltwater world has it with, uh, I think, CCA and some other organizations. And uh, you need something like that that has some power in, you know, ideally a national organization, state chapters that way because every state's different on what goes on. But I think that's the future. I think that's where, um, I think that's where the power is going to be down the road uh, to get some of this stuff changed. So uh, I... Uh, I hope that clears up what pay lakes are for people because honestly, when I have these chats with people that are not in you know the little circle, a lot of people don't know what they are. So hopefully that clears up kind of what these things are, how they work. Uh, again, exposingpaylakes.com uh, is a website. I'm going to put a link down there where you can check it out. A lot of good information there. And uh, I am, you know, I invite you and encourage you to go look at the pay lake side of the argument. Go listen to what they have to say. Um, the reason I say that is because, uh, no matter what you're for or what you're against, uh, if you're against something and you, you call the pay lakes your enemy, uh, you need to know what your enemy's all about. And, uh, you, 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 it's, you don't want to go into battle ignorant of your enemy, plain and simple. And, uh, so go see what they're about. See what, uh. You know, you'll see if you do enough digging and enough looking, you'll see both sides. You'll see the good side of Pay Lakes that I've talked about. If you visit one, you'll see the you know the good side to it. Uh, but there is a bad side. There is a uh, there is a side that is having a significant impact on the trophy fishery. So, what I hope is that we can find that balance to where these places can exist. Uh, we as trophy anglers who do so much catch and release of these trophy fish. Uh, it's very frustrating to catch, you know, 30, 40, 50 pound fish, get some good pictures, release them, and then they wind up in a basket in a pay lake somewhere. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's very, it's very frustrating, especially when these lakes are, uh, you know, robbed and the fish are gone. And again, I think educating some of the people who uh, uh, partake and fish these lakes, I think there's a lot of people I've heard that, that are like, wow. Once I realized where these fish are coming from, it, it changed my outlook on it. Uh, it changed, you know, it was a different perspective on a lot of people don't know. Again, I, I know that may seem hard to believe, but trust me, from somebody who has tried to market a podcast and a fishing channel, uh, you think you're reaching everybody, 
and you're only scratching the surface when you put information out there. I'm willing to bet that out of, I don't know, we'll have several hundred people that will hear, hear this podcast. Only a few of you have even heard of this website, exposingpaylakes.com. So my point being is that even though this information's out there, uh, this, this, you know, educational information on how this whole system works is out there. It's not reaching everybody, folks, and people don't know. And, you know, even I think the biologists, to a certain extent, don't know what all goes on with these private lakes because it's outside of their world. It's outside of their realm of, of management. Uh, same thing with the wildlife officers. It's really outside of, you know, their realm of management. Most of these trucks that haul these fish... Uh, a lot of this stuff's done at night. Uh, a lot of these places are, these fish are brought in at night. They don't do it in the, generally speaking, the ones I've seen. Generally doing it at night, early, early morning when not a lot of people at the boat ramp. They're trying to maintain, you know, they're smart enough to realize we need to keep this kind of low key. Uh, so a lot of this stuff gets shuttled back and forth at night and low light when there's not a lot of people around because... They realize it's not really well received by the general public on how many fish are being taken out. So, uh, so yeah, it's 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 an educational process, and I hope that this is uh, some good information for you guys. Uh, hopefully, some of you folks that are not into the catfish and carp world uh, found this kind of interesting on how this whole world works. Uh, I don't know if there's any of this in the bass world. I don't know, and the the deal there is is that. Bass, uh, crappie, uh, those fish, I don't know how that dynamic works with them being game fish and being able to charge people to fish for them and to keep them. Uh, I know with the trout lakes, I think there's a special permit you get for those farm-raised fish to where you're able to do that. But I'd uh, be curious to know, I don't, I've never heard of a bass fishing lake to where you paid I'm trying to think. I'm trying to make sure I don't say it. I mean, I know, like, if you go to Disney World, you go on a fishing trip there with a guide. You pay them. It's a pride. Those are all private lakes. They don't let you keep any fish, but you paid to fish for them. So I'm, maybe there's some places around like that. I don't know. Uh, but it's definitely not as prevalent as it is with the catfish and the carp lakes. So anyway, that's my information on this topic for now. Uh, I'm going to put... There's really, right now, I don't have a good platform for leaving comments on here. Uh, I'm trying to deal with that, figure out a way. So what I invite you to do is, for now, go to my YouTube channel, Dieter Melhorn Fishing. And in the community section, there's a little tab on there called Community. Go in there and post something up. If you want to talk about the uh, Pay Lake topic, I'll probably have some videos out on this. And uh, But yeah, leave any questions, comments in there. That's always a good place. And I have Dieter Melhorn Fishing on Facebook. You can always post something up in there. I usually put a link to one of these to this podcast on my Facebook page, Dieter Melhorn Fishing. There'll be a link on there. So maybe we can send our comments over there and uh, get a discussion going and get information out there. This is all about information, folks. It's all about education. Uh, it's all about learning from each other, ideas, that kind of thing. And uh, hopefully we'll get us a national organization here at some point. I think that will make a huge difference difference in uh, the impact that we as anglers have uh, in making change happen uh, with these fisheries. So that's it for now, folks. We'll catch you on the water.